It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Beyond the Fairways. With PGA Tour professional Jay Delsing and hosted by four-time Emmy Award-winning broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. Now, it's Beyond the Fairways. Welcome into Beyond the Fairways. I'm Dan McLaughlin. That's Jay Delsing, who played in over 700 PGA Tour events and is always on this podcast. We will provide you big-name guests. For instance, this edition of Beyond the Fairways, we visit with World Golf Hall of Famer Tom Watson, one of the greats in the game of golf, winner of 39 events on the PGA Tour, a pair of Masters, a U.S. Open, five Open Championships. Also on Beyond the Fairways, we will have our tip segment. We'll talk about the importance of getting fitted for your clubs and innovations. That's a portion of the podcast in the game of golf. It's a look at Top Tracer and how that has enhanced the experience for the golf viewer, but also golfers in general. And then finally, it's Players' Championship Week at TPC Sawgrass in Florida, and it's always one of the great events on the schedule, and we'll give our picks of the week. Jaybird, great to see you, my man. You too, Danny. Great to be with you. I am excited to visit with Tom Watson. You were paired with Tom Watson at times in your tenure on the PGA Tour. I say the name Tom Watson. What comes to mind for you? Fellow Missourian, first of all, you know, growing up here, there weren't a whole hell of a lot of golfers that came out of Missouri. Uh, Payne Stewart was about closer in age than Tom was for me. So Payne, I actually played on a Missouri Cup uh, uh, team with Payne when I was a senior in high school, and Payne had just graduated from, from college. But Tom Watson, being from Kansas City, you know, you're dealing with this weather, and for the most part, Danny, the guys that played on the tour and, and things like that were, you know, Florida, California, Arizona, uh, Texas sort of thing. So I was always looking. I was a huge fan of those guys. And um, to get to be paired with them and, and things like that, we could talk about that. It, it was a thrill. When you ever were paired with big-name guys like a Tom Watson, was it intimidating or was it more of, hey, I belong on this course, on this tee with Tom Watson and some of the others? 
It was a little bit of both. I think he had to learn. I, I for He was me, one of your least, heroes, too. He was one of my heroes. I watched this guy. I'm like, you know, watched him not be able to win, not be, you know, struggle to try to f- figure it out and put himself in all these positions. And then all of a sudden, you know, he, he clicks and a, a couple things click and, and off he goes, right? I mean, player of the decade in the 80s, some of the, the awards, obviously World Golf Hall of Famer in 1988 and things like that. But, yeah, I mean – Getting to watch those guys do their thing, it, it only helps. I mean, you 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 learn. Sometimes you just learn flat ass from failing. You know what I mean? It's just you 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 get out there. I can remember the first time that I got to play with Arnold Palmer. My first several holes, I don't know where I was. I bet I was just kind of pinching myself. You know, I almost thought it, this was like a movie, getting to play with the king. You know, and then have him talk to me. You know, you're standing there on the green. You know, there's all of this time. One of the greatest things about golf that doesn't get talked about that much, Danny, is the the time you get to spend with your fellow playing partners. Even if it's around on the weekend, you wind up learning about these men and these women and what their lives are like. And, you know, to be able to do that with these people that you really held on a pedestal and got to look up to was a thrill for me. Did they ever give you advice after a round? And it could be golf advice, but it could be, hey, this is how we act on the tour. This is how we dress on the tour. This is what we do after our round or before a round. Did you get advice from the the bigger names on on tour? Oh, absolutely. I remember my rookie year on the on the PGA Tour in 1984 or 85, I watched Tom Weiskopf swing all the time because he and Andy North were the only guys who were anywhere close to my build. You got to remember, Big Jack is 5'10". Tom Watson's under 5'10", and I'm 6'5", and I'm going, there's, you know, Corey Pavin's the best player that I've ever played with in my life, you know, just getting out of college. He's 5'7". You know, because so I'm feeling like a fish out of water, and then getting to watch Tom Weisskopf, who's about six three, Andy North, who's six four, so and watch those guys play, and you know, major champions and things like that. It helped a lot, and those guys would give tremendous advice about all sorts of things. Even this sounds really stupid nowadays because of the internet, but Danny, we didn't have the internet, sure, and we didn't have cell phones, so they'd say to me, "Hey, next week." When you go to uh, Washington, D.C., make sure you stay on this side of the river. Or make sure, you know, if you fly in, don't fly into Dulles, fly into National. Or, or just little things like that that were really helpful. So let's wrap up our first segment with this. We're going to visit with Tom Watson. What do you want to learn about Tom Watson that Jay Delsing doesn't already know about Tom Watson? Well, first of all, I want to know how he's doing because I know he's had some some health issues. and. Having Tom Watson play the game, we're all better off for. But what I'm interested in learning about is what he thinks about Liv. I'm really, really interested. I am too. Tom Watson is coming up later in the podcast. It'll be a tip segment from a PGA pro and Jay Delsing. And we'll take a look at the latest innovations and equipment that can help everyone in the game of golf and our picks of the week as well. Download this. Make sure you subscribe. We have big-name guests all the time. Our first week, we had David Faraday. This week, Golf Hall of Famer Tom Watson. He's coming up, and this is Beyond the Fairways. It's time for the Beyond the Fairways player profile. Let's get back to Jay and Dan. 
Let's bring in one of the legends of golf, winner of 39 events on the PGA Tour, two Masters, U.S. Open, five Open Championships, and the list goes on and on, and it's the great Tom Watson. And I know, I know Jay, we were talking about it earlier, but you had a chance to play with the great Tom Watson. Oh, my gosh, what a, what a thrill it was for me. But, Tom, first of all, thanks so much for joining us. Give us a little update on how you're doing physically, because I know you've had a couple of challenges lately. Well, I did have a challenge. I uh, fell off. I actually didn't fall off. I uh, I turned over a go-kart, stuck my arm out, and I ruined my shoulder, my left shoulder, and had to have it replaced. And uh, uh, right now, I'm in my only job right now, Jay, is is to rehab it. I just came from pool exercises, and uh, I I, I just I work it out constantly to try to get it stronger and more flexible and. Uh, my goal is to try to get to April 6th and be, uh, be able to swing a golf club again. That's the first round of the Masters, and Jack and Gary and I will be on the first tee. I, uh, in some, for, I'll be on there in, in some some way or form. I don't know if I'll swing a golf club or not, but I'll be on the first tee for the honorary starting as an honorary starter of the Masters. Now, Tom, if somebody's listening to this, they're saying, "Now, what are you doing on a go kart? It's not a golf cart. This was a go kart, right?" The whole story is that uh, for my kids, I got I had a go kart twenty, you know, twenty five, thirty years ago for them, and they'd run it up and down the driveway here and and have have a large time. They had a great time with it, and I, you know, I, I have grandkids now, ten, ten through six, and I said, well, I got to get a go kart for these kids, so I I got one, and uh, and I said, you know, it it's a little bit small for an adult, so why don't I get one? So I got one too, and and uh, and I said, you know what? Let's build a track. So I built a go-kart track, uh, a dirt track, and hairpin turns and straightaways and 90s and a few little bumps for, you know, get a little bit of air in it. And uh, we're having a large time, and I've turned turned around this corner, and uh, the cart tipped, tipped over, and I stuck my arm out rather than keeping my arm inside the cage. I mean, I have a cage, a roll cage on there. It works just fine. Unless you stick your arm out. <laughs> so I, I screwed up my arm uh, pretty badly. And uh, so now I'm in the recuperative stage. We've all had to rehab and getting in the pool. I don't know how it was for you, but I really, really struggled with some of those pool exercises. Well, they're great for me. I, I, I've had some other shoulder issues and boy, they, they, they really, really helped me. You know, just as far as the, the motion, the weight, you know, you don't have as much weight. I can't lift my arm right now, you know, you know up, up parallel to the ground, but in the pool, I certainly can. And so, yeah, I do a lot of exercises there. And it's gradually getting a little stronger and a little bit more flexibility. I'm, I'm, having, I'm having PT four times a week. So that's what I said. It's my job right now. <laughs> and you'll be ready for the Masters, which is great news for any golf fan out there. How, how well, co- I hope I'm ready for the Masters. Well, we do I too. Hope. Tom, how, how often do you watch what's happening on the weekends with the PGA Tour? And a follow-up to that, who's who's the player that you really follow and say, that's the guy I'm going to watch? Well, I, I actually am watching a little bit more golf now. I miss it. You know, I miss playing golf and being able to swing a golf club. That's what I am. I'm just a golfer. And without the ability to swing a golf club, I, I, I really do miss it. So I, I'm watching a little bit more golf on TV. I was just at the PGA Merchandise Show this last week and saw the excitement down there in the golf industry. It was really well attended. They had 800 exhibitors this year versus 400 last year. So 
people are really excited about the game of golf right now. We're seeing it in the numbers. The more the greater numbers of people playing. And my you know, my goal right now is and it always has been, uh, since I got on the tour is to is is to create to create that passion for for kids especially uh, to learn and, and learn to play the game with the passion that I learned to play the game with. We started with a, a, a program here before the first tee. It was similar to the first tee. Uh, we built three short holes and uh, we had an instruction. We had instruction. The kids came out and they were instructed how to play and they'd go up to uh, they go up in these short holes and, and, and learn and learn you know, and have fun you know, actually playing golf. And that that uh, that that kind of segged into the first tee program, which I got very much involved with here in Kansas city. And, and uh, from that uh, youth on course program where we subsidized the kids uh, greens fees, their junior greens fees at, uh, at courses uh, where the kids don't have to pay any more than five bucks. Uh, I love that program. And then we went to, uh, I said, you know, we need to get the kids out on the golf course with somebody who can play like I had, I had a dad or, a pro or my brothers, good players. Uh, we went out and we played and had fun. We also learned something. We started, uh, uh, you know, the Watson Golf Mentors Program, which uh, this is the second year of it here in Kansas City, and we uh, it's it's expanded and we're getting a, we're getting a lot of excitement and participation now early in the year right now, which is which is really exciting to me. And then add to that, uh, I see you no. Know, over the years, you know, playing golf, especially in the UK and, and Scotland, you see these small we, you know, I, for lack of a better word, called we links, you know, a little short golf courses. I mean, they're not very long. Uh, actually, there's one right in front of the Turnberry Hotel. It used to be 12 holes, and now it's 18 holes. I mean, there's no shot longer than, and heck, there's no shot longer than about 70 or 80 yards. Uh, I have a friend here who loves the game of golf with a passion with kids. And he built a Wii Lynx golf course. And what this is, it's built on an acre of land. There are six holes on, uh, on that acre, uh, 150 total yards, uh, you know, 30 yards a- averaging 30 yards a hole. He puts six inch cups and five foot flags. He puts an artificial tee so you don't mess up the tee. And then he, then he grasses it. Uh, you know, here in Kansas city, we, we we use zoysia grass and we cut it uh, we cut the fairways to a half inch and the greens to three eighths of an inch so that, you know you can put them and we get you know we get kids just beginning the, uh, t- with the game teach them a little bit of the fundamental skills get them on there and have them have you know have have a challenge go from the tee go from that tee to that cup take two clubs take a nine iron and, and a putter and so we're starting to build those around Kansas City now and trying to promote that everywhere. We think that uh, it's very easily, you know, you can build it for anywhere from 25 to 40,000 bucks. The maintenance is, is, is low maintenance. You certainly have to have a mower to mow the, the, the fairways, the grass. And if you, you know, if you tie into a, uh, to a, a golf course and you know, they have the equipment, if it's a, if it's a, a park, then, uh, you know, then you have to, you know, you, you have to determine how that, that course is going to be maintained. But we're getting, a, a, you know, we're getting, a, we have a lot of excitement about the one course we built here and, and projected, you know, we're going to build a couple more courses, three courses probably this year. Just little, little type, I mean, we call them Wee Links. Jeff Bury, who was a pro at, at Pioneers for years and then at Prairie Dunes and Wolf Creek here, and he has a, he had a, 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 a teaching and, par three golf course out in Eudora, Kansas. He built that there. 
And he's had, you know, we've had, he had, he just had a, a great amount of participation with these kids. The kids go around there and, you know, one kid's made six holes in one. How exciting is that? He it's has t-shirts that says, I made a hole in one. <laughs> so you get the kids really excited about playing, you know, that lights the fuse. And if we can get the fuses lit for, for as many people as possible, kids and Heck, you know, new golfers of any of any type. That's what that's that's my goal in life, really. You love sports, and and I'm curious about this question and your answer in terms of advice that you would give parents today, because there's the specialization of sports for kids. What's your advice for parents that are listening to this nationwide from the great Tom Watson? Don't concentrate on one sport. I know it's a difficult thing with kids anymore because if you know, if they're looking at, uh, to get good enough to get a scholarship to college, then their coaches and their parents, they say, you have to play this sport all year round. I don't like that. I think that kids ought to have, you know, they ought to have fun playing a lot a variety of, of, of sports and activities outside. You know, that develops certain skills, different skills. I played basketball. I played football and basketball, ran track, and, uh, you know, of course played golf through high school and actually some intramural sports when I was going to college. I think that develops an, a well-rounded body, and, and uh, you know, it, it doesn't burn you out. I think a lot of kids get burnt out with, you know, with the programs that they're and you get forced to do. Hey, Tom, if you could, just stay with us for just a moment. I want to tell our listeners about BetterHelp. Beyond the Fairways is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash btfpod. Beyond the Fairways pod, betterhelp.com slash btfpod. Get on your way to being your best self. BetterHelp's mission, by the way, is to encourage people to invest in themselves. It's the world's largest therapy service, and they facilitate over 5 million video sessions, voice calls, chats, messages every single month. And it's so easy. It's affordable, private access to high-quality therapy. Since 2013, there's been over 30,000 licensed, accredited, and board-certified therapists from BetterHelp's network. And amazingly, how about this? They have helped over 2 million people face life's challenges to improve their mental health. So many of us believe that they don't need therapy or a therapist. However, we've heard from so many people that have used a therapist at BetterHelp, and they found relief in just talking to somebody. It's impactful. So many have said they feel like a different person after working with a therapist at BetterHelp. It could be past trauma, anxiety, or just need to talk to somebody about life. And I'm sure everyone that's listening has dealt with some of those issues. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, think BetterHelp. It's entirely online. It's convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Beyond the Fairways, brought to you by BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com slash B-T-F-P-O-D, and you'll get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com dot com slash btf pod and that's btf pod for beyond the fairways pod and again betterhelp.com slash btf pod give online therapy a try get on your way to being your best self you know tom one of the things that strikes me is just a massive benefit from the the game and and listening to you talk about growing the game and the and the future of the game with the kids tom when i think back about the the men and in the women, for that matter, that I was introduced to because I could play well, because I caddied and, and just I hung around the golf course. Some of these lessons and these life lessons, they're invaluable for these kids. 
Well, sure they are. Yeah, yeah, learning from an adult. My, I really kind of started this junior program because the caddies uh, went away with the golf carts. You didn't have caddies at clubs anymore. You know, you didn't have caddies. And, and of course, now caddies are too expensive. <laughs> you learned as a kid. My dad used to take the, he said, give me the, the newbie. I'll, I'll teach that kid how to caddy. And, oh, by the way, when you teach him how to caddy, you teach him kind of the rules of the game. And other rules, you know, other rules that uh, are beyond the game, and, and and stories that you know the caddies listen to, uh, the adults, and they get some they get some real world experience and and wisdom from the, you know from the older people that they caddy that they caddy for. It's the same way in, 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 in with our you know Watson Golf Mentors Program. You know we get older older people. And we'll we'll get a, you know we'll get uh, you know we get some old older gentlemen to go out and play with these kids. Uh, and they have a great passion for the game, and they'll instill this passion for these kids, you know, just like my dad and Stan and 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 others did for me. And that's what I want. I I, I want uh, I want people, kids in particular, to get introduced to the game and and learn to love the game and say, I want to play it. You mentioned that you were at the PGA show, and when you played golf, Jay played golf. It was different equipment, clearly. So we've had amazing advancements in the game of golf. Do you think that's been good overall for the game? Well, I do. I think it uh, by, by making it easier to play, hit the ball straighter. You don't have to hit the ball right in the you know the actual, absolute center of the golf club. It's made it easier for you know for, for people to to play, and they have more enjoyment when they play better. The USGA did a, an experiment with the when the, when the the big-headed drivers, the big-headed metal drivers came out. The 460cc drivers came out. They did an experiment where they took that driver and they took a persimmon, the old persimmon head, which is a lot smaller. And they purposely, uh, you know, they found the center of the, of the face of the driver. And then they purposely hit the hit the ball with their machine five-eighths of an inch off-center from that center, all the way around the clock. They've, they, they found a tremendous difference in you know, the distance that the ball went in with the large headed driver, it only affected the distance by five yards with 109 mile an hour swing speed as a pro speed with the persimmon driver, you lost 49 yards in distance when you wow. hit by five of an inch off center. And that uh, you learn when you, when you play that equipment, you learn that you, you know, you learn how to hit the ball right in the middle of the club face all the time. If, you, if you're going to be any good. Tom, I'll never forget when they first came out with those berthas. They said to me, Jay, you got to try to hit this ball high and on the toe. And I said, fellas, I'm still trying to hit the thing daggone square in the middle of this thing. <laughs> well, you know, they were right. The best place to hit uh, that club is uh, high on the toe. And uh, actually, I saw uh, a tweet that uh, that showed Colin Morikawa's three wood, and that where he hits it is on the toe, a little bit high of center. That's that's where you know that's that's the mark that he puts on that three wood. So you learn you know the best place to hit that hit the ball off that three wood. How were you able to get so good at the game of golf growing up in the Midwest and in cold weather? And it's cold weather now. And a follow up to that would be. What do you practice? How do you get that good playing in cold weather if you're not in Florida, Texas, Arizona, so on and so forth? Well, you, the old saying, you dance with the one what brought you. You know, <laughs> that, I, I only had this weather to, to practice in when I was uh, getting ready for, you know, get, you know, really put my nose to the grindstone and knew I was going to try to make it on the tour. And we had, you know, we had a bunch of crazy people at the club I belonged to that loved to, you know, they played in, in any type of weather. 
and we'd go out and we'd have two, three foursomes to go out and play, you know, when it's, uh, you know, when the greens are frozen and it's 20, you know, it's 28 degrees out. I remember my, one of my favorite holes in one was on new year's day. Normally we played at 10 o'clock on the, uh, on the weekend. Uh, that was the time, but on new year's day, we said, you know, because everybody was celebrating last night, let's make it 11 o'clock. You know, it's not a lot of light. And so we all show up at 11 o'clock. Well, it was 28 degrees. And the wind was blowing at least 25 miles an hour out of the north. And the greens are, you know, they're, they're, they're totally frozen, just like concrete. Learning to play on concrete greens, man, now you have, it's like a chess game. You have to, you have to you know, figure out where, uh, because the ball's not going to stop in the green. Uh, if you, you know, especially if you have a bunker, you have to hit over a bunker uh, and land it on the green. It's going to, you know, take two hops and it's over. So where are you going to leave the ball to have the best chance to get it up and down? And it, it, it was great. So we, so we come, we came around to the 12th hole and it's a downhill par three that I normally hit a, you know, a four or five iron to. And, and it was about, you know, I, I took a one iron out and I hit this thing and I, hit it right at the flag and it hit short of the green one huge hop and then it hit on the front front uh, third of the green one another huge hop and it slam dunked in the pin made a hole in one <laughs> well a hole in one with a one iron uh a frozen green on new year's day i remember that hole in one like it was yesterday i bet you your competitors can remember that hole in one too Absolutely. that might have cost them a well, couple of shekels there it cost every one of them 50 bucks <laughs> <laughs> It really did. Tom, let's talk just a little bit about your thoughts on LIV. I um, uh, would love to hear where you come in on that. Two different competitions. One one is uh, uh, the way I look at it is the proper competition. PGA Tour, it determines the best golfer right right then and there. You, you, you have to make a cut. Uh, you play four rounds. That's the way, you know, that, that to me is, is the proper way of playing professional golf. The other tour is an exhibition tour, uh, uh, and, and I'm not taking anything away from the quality of players out there, but there's not very much pressure out there. It's, when you're playing the PGA Tour, there's some pressure. Uh, there's two different types of pressure situations that I that I see between the two tours, and that's a big difference. When I dreamed of playing on the PGA Tour, going through the qualifying school, I always wanted to try to assess myself against the greats. You were one of my heroes when I when I was growing up and especially being from the yes, Midwest. We, we, yeah, we, that's what we did. You know, we wanted to, we, you know, we watched the best players out there because we wanted to maybe someday be like them. You know, that's when I came out here, I was, I, I always, I was told by the pros here when I, I played with a bunch of the, the pros here in Kansas city uh, on Mondays when the clubs were closed. And when I got up, you know, when I qualified for the tour, I basically said, what do I do when I get in the tour? Every one of them said the same thing. You go and watch the best players out there. You watch them practice. You try to play with them. Uh, you watch how they strategize around a golf course. That's how you learn to be you know, like you know, the best player. I, I watched Nicholas. I watched Sneed when he came out, you know, when he was out. You know, he actually was playing when I first started. Uh, Trevino, Johnny Miller, uh, Gene Littler. You know, watch Arnie. You know, you watch, I watched the greats. And in particular, I watched Jack Nicholas because I, you know, I tried to play, you know, I, just, I watched him how he, what clubs he hit off the tees when he was playing. He wouldn't necessarily hit driver. Uh, he was a long hitter, but you know, he took, you know, Jack was the best, I think, at, at assessing the risk of every shot to make it, uh, 
as as risk free as possible. Uh, you know, sometimes you know some of these guys out there they don't understand the risk of uh, say missing the green to the left and short sides yourself. And you, it's going to be an automatic bogey versus one time where you, you short sides yourself. Well, it's not that bad bad of a short short side. You know, Jack was always the best at that, and I watched him. I emulated his golf swing when I, you know, when I was a young young man. I got I, I, I got more upright, learned to learn to hit the ball higher and left to right, and um, you know I had that part in my arsenal. So I had to evolve into be, being a good player. But but I watched the best players play all the time. In 1977, in that Open Championship, and you mentioned Jack, so I got I got to ask you at Turnberry. It's one of the the great events when you talk about the history of golf. But I'm curious, what did that do for your relationship with Jack? It's kind of like, well, it, the, what the what the Open Championship at Turnberry did after I won the Masters, and Jack was right in. We were in the mix. We're tied almost the entire back nine uh, at the Masters, and I birdied the 17th hole, and he bogeyed the 18th hole, and I won by two. Yeah, you know, that was the you know that was big. You know that was my that was my first Masters win. And uh, but the way I looked at it, I say, well, I need to confirm that. I need to keep confirming. Can I beat the best in the game? And uh, when I won at Turnberry, uh, walking off the green, Jack took me. He, he took his arm, put it around my neck, and squeezed it hard, and said, "You know, Tom, I gave you my best shot, but it wasn't good enough." And that one line, uh, it just said to me, well, I can, I can play with the big boys now. You know, I, I can do it. You know, I can beat the best. And, 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 uh, you know, my career really you know, took off after that. How did you learn to win? How did you learn to get over the hump? You had been so close and then all of a sudden it kind of clicked for you. You mentioned the masters and then Turnberry and, and a bunch of events after that, you're starting to win. How did you learn to well, win? First of all, I learned I learned to win by hating to lose. There you and go. And I lost a lot, and I had had leads and I blew, and uh, but finally I I found uh, an L in my swing that I could trust more so than any time in in the past, and that you know I got that in seventy in late late seventy six and and took it to you know, took it to the tour in seventy seven, and it it worked out. I mean it uh, it gave me. The, the confidence that when I was in competition, when I was in, under the pressure that I could perform and I did perform and the more I did perform and won, which I did a lot that year, uh, it only it boosted the confidence that, yeah, I'm doing the right thing, but you know, you never, you know, the, those things in your golf swing, they never last, you know, <laughs> you know, Jay, you know what I'm talking about. You know, sometimes you feel like you, you know, you have it, you have the golf swing down by making a certain move and then, and, you know, you use it and use it and then you lose it. You know, it doesn't work anymore. Then you have to find something else. And um, and that's what I did. I was constantly trying to improve my golf swing. We find it and improve it. And I never gave up on that. You know, and never, never sat, you know, never sat idly as far as, as I was concerned about my, you know, as I was concerned about uh uh, my golf game. I always try to improve, improve, improve. Tom, it's unmistakable to me. I've I've had the privilege of getting to hang around you, compete with you. That there's still a hell of a burning desire. I hear it in your voice. There's something about this game where it bites us 
and it I don't know if it ever lets go. Well, it never does. Like I said, you know, with this injury, I'm a golfer, and I miss it because I can't play. I can't swing. You know, the game is, you know, I want to pass that on, Jay. I, I want to pass that on to, to, to young people. I want to that passion and that desire to, to play the game the best you can. You know, you know what that does? If you, if you can teach kids in, in sport, to you know, play the best they can and you know, give it, I mean, really give it absolutely everything they have to be the best in everything, you know, every shot, every dribble, every pass, every block, every putt, every bunker shot that you that you have, that translates into doing the same things outside of sport in life. Bottom line, you know, going to a job, you know, doing the best you can. Your boss says, you know, you know here's the project and once you get it done, you do it the best you can. You don't take any shortcuts. You, you, know, you know that, you know, sometimes you're going to fail. Uh, and failure really breeds uh, success. That's, there's not a question that, that that's part of the formula of becoming, becoming better in anything you do. You have to fail. You, know, you can't just immediately go in there and have success. And you know, some people may have the natural talent like that, but they're going to they're going to have they're they're going to fail. And if that failure doesn't uh, breed a desire to you know, to not fail again and and do the right things that, that cause the failure, avoid the wrong things that cause the failure, and learn about that, and they will improve. Hey Tom, if you could hang tight, want to tell our listeners about Roan. Now, a lot of guys have the pains of finding out what to wear because it's uncomfortable. Maybe it's tight shirts. You never know your size. Difficulty putting pieces together for that right outfit. Well, there's also the hassle of changing clothes for different activities. The bottom line is looking good makes you feel good. So let's tell you about Roan, R-H-O-N-E, R-H-O-N-E. So here's the deal. Men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. So much so, I'm using their products, and I love what I'm getting. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, flexible set of products known to man. And here's why. There's a product for every occasion. They help you get ready for any occasion with the commuter collection, which offers the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, and polos. You never have to worry about what to wear when you have the Roan commuter collection. Mobility, it's everything. Comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability, flexibility. Golfers love that. Looking good, it's easy. It's time to feel confident without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles, they aren't there. They just disappear as you stretch and wear the products, and it's that easy. And it also has Gold Fusion anti-odor technology. You'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. So the reason I love it, I can go play golf in this. I can show up at a work party. I can go to dinner with this. It's all with Roan. The commuter collection can get you through any workday straight into whatever comes next. It is awesome. Head to their website. Head to Roan.com slash BTF. And if you use that promo code, you save 20% off your entire order. Again, R-H-O-N-E.com slash BTF for Beyond the Fairways. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Again, 20% off roan.com slash BTF. Anybody that's listening to this uh, is getting the the idea of how charitable you are. You have raised millions of dollars uh, to get kids in the game. Um, What you've done for ALS with your longtime caddy and, and Bruce Edwards, pancreatic cancer, 
I guess the general question, Tom, would be why do you think golf and this game is so charitable? Well, it's pretty easy. You know, what we love about the game is that I can go and play with with uh, a 30 handicap. And, and I tell you, what, you know, I have to say, what's your handicap? Well, 30. Well, I have to give you two shots. <laughs> I have to give you these shots. And we, we can go and we have to, we can play a real game, a competition against each other. That's like me and, and Jay and playing. Fair, and have a fair, <laughs> and literally have a fair competition if your handicap's honest, you know. <laughs> Not no, many of those out there, that. Tom. That's, I don't know. That's a whole other show, I think. Yeah, that's what I love about the game is that uh, you you go out and you you know you have a fair cup. Yeah, you know, this group of idiots that we used to go out and play in the frozen on the frozen greens, they all have different handicaps, and you know, we play a game called Birdie Bogey, which was a uh, a Stapleford type of thing where you got points for pars and negative points for bogeys and uh, birdies. You had positive points and. And at the end of the end of the day, you tallied up how many points you had, and uh, it was all based on handicap. That was fun. That was fun, and it kept us on. You know, it, you know, kept our nose to the grindstone when we were playing. I, I was playing just as hard playing against these guys as I was against Nicholas at Turnberry in two thousand in seventy seven. Tom, one of the things as a a person that's admired you, looked up to you, there was always talk amongst my peers about the Watson character. Some of the things that whether it's your the way you were raised the midwestern all of those sort of things we we talk about how honest the game is we call penalties on ourselves i know that you had a, a several incidences like at the 91 masters when you there was a heckler with ian woosen and you were like hey man we don't do this in golf and can you talk a little bit about that and in our world today it just seems like yeah, there's less and less of that. Well, yeah, I think the world today has changed. I think I call it the casual Friday uh, world. You know, we we don't have the respect uh, for the people as we used to have. You know, the bottom line, that you know, respect, you know, you know, respect each other's uh, opinions, re- respect uh, you know, the way you know people look and dress and all that. You know, we've become casual Friday, and you know, I I, I miss. You know what I miss? I miss the style that the golf pros used to have on the tour where they dressed, you know, they, they really were in fact, you know, they really took pride in how they dressed from Byron Nelson. Uh, you saw, you know, saw the players, uh, you know, Byron, Arnie, Jack, not so much when he first started, but then he got the word that said, Jack, you got to improve your dress from the <laughs> old guys. Um, and the way, you know, the way they, they presented themselves, the way they looked in the golf course. I kind of missed that. You know, the, the styles today are, it's all athletic. You know, there's no, you know, nobody wears leather shoes anymore. It's all athletic shoes. And I, I guess that's the look. And uh, we took pride in how we dressed, uh, you know, and, and looked, I think, a little bit more than the kids did today do. But it's, it's part of the society. It's, it's the casual, it's, it's, it's casual part of the society that, that uh, in, in the informality of it, it, uh, it has changed. And, but, you know, the game still has the element of the honesty that you know, we play by the rules. If you don't play by the rules in the game of golf, you're chastised. You know, you're a pariah. Not like that in other sports. You know, you, you know, and I, you know, I go back, you know, tennis is, is, is a good, you know, is, is not a good example because I, I believe tennis, you know, the players themselves are, they call, they call, they call the ball. So, of course, you have the, you know, the Cyclops or whatever, the, you know, the electronic uh, uh, lines caller now, but. I remember uh, play, watching John McEnroe play in the U.S. Open up in New York, up in Flushing, and he he played this match, 
and <laughs> it was the night match. And he and, and there was there was a Lions call, and he you know, he did. You can't be serious like this. And it, it, the Lions call went against John McEnroe. And then another Lions call came, and he said, and it went for John McEnroe. And he said, "You can't be serious." He, <laughs> he, was, he was defending. He was defending uh, his opponent. His opponent's you know, you know, uh, ball was uh, you know, he, it beat him. But you know, the Lions judge called it out, and uh, you know, so he defended the he defended the integrity of the game there. And I always, you know, he was he was always kind of a wide, you know loud mouth thing like that. But when I saw that, I said, you know, this guy has integrity about the way the game of tennis should be played. Tom, you've done so much in the game of golf. You continue to do it. So my final question is, what's left to accomplish? What's left on the table that you'd like to to get under your belt? It gets back to the earlier part of the conversation. I, I want to inspire especially kids or anybody to play the game. I want uh, I want to show them you know, by example or my passion for the game a passion that they can learn to learn to have and and to learn to uh, have you know learn the game and all of a sudden fall in love with the game. Be lifetime golfers. That's what I my foundation and you know, that's that's the simple goal is to create lifetime golfers no matter what ages they are, but especially kids. Tom, I so appreciate your time. You inspired me as a fellow Missourian and as an icon on the PGA Tour, and we look forward to – I look forward to when you get to get that shoulder in good shape and get the, the hitting <laughs> balls again. Well, I can't wait, to, can't wait to do that. I hope it's sooner rather than later. And, Tom, uh, follow up to your foundation. Best way for people to get a hold of you or to at least donate to the foundation to keep that passion for golf going? It, it goes through uh, Central Lynx Golf here in Kansas City. Then we have, we have it goes, we go through the first tee uh, here in greater Kansas City, the first tee uh, organization here. We support those groups. We, we support youth on course here in Kansas City that it goes through Central Lynx Golf. So, Central Links Golf is a good place to kind of go peruse and see you know, the programs that they have and the first tee of Greater Kansas City. Those those two websites there are, are, are good to you know, see what's going on here. Well, this has been amazing, Tom, and, and I can't thank you enough for doing this. Thrill for me to visit with you, and I know Jay feels the same way. You're welcome. Take so care. great, Tom. Take care. All right. So long. It's the breakdown. There it is. A win for the ages. That is better than most. The return to glory on Beyond the Fairways. Wow, Jay Bird, let's break it down. Our visit with Tom Watson, and there's a lot to get into. That was a lot of fun, first of all, wasn't it? Oh, my gosh. Danny, there's something about it in his voice. You can still almost feel that competitive nature like... He just wants yeah, to kick you your ass. That. I mean, he just I I you could you could see that that I can still remember that those steely eyes and the focus and things like that. It uh it's still burning over there in Kansas City, man. In our first segment, you said you wanted to ask him about Live. You did, and he talked about how Live is an exhibition and the PGA Tour is competition. I, I thought that was a good way to put it. Very much so. And and when you take away the cut portion. And you take away Absolutely. whether we, Danny, we don't even know for sure. You got to remember, we don't even know for sure if these guys are getting paid additional monies 
when they perform or if it's taken against their draw. We still haven't figured that out. And could you imagine if there's not an additional check cut? I mean, they're going through the motions. I loved when he said, and I asked him, how did you get over the hump? How did you learn to win? I hate to lose. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, And there was that extra grit in yeah. his voice. And he was like, you know, Danny, I feel like if we were standing on a putting green, he might have whacked us with his putter or something <laughs> when he said that, you know, because he, he's that type of competitor. And one of the other things, because hopefully we're getting a broad base of listeners to, to the show. What I, folks, and parents out there, remember what he said about your children. Yes. And don't be afraid to let your kids play basketball in the offseason. Your girls, you know, the, the play volleyball, play play some other sport, run track. You know, Danny, you were emceeing a phenomenal event a couple of years ago when Jack Nicholas was in our, our midst, and Jack said the same thing. Play multiple sports. If you're a parent out there, make sure that – and this is Tom Watson. This is Jack Nicholas. These are the greats of the game saying, make sure your kid is still playing multiple sports, mental side of it, and the physical buildup as well. And Danny, when I went to UCLA 100 years ago and got to play against all of these great young, you know, collegiate players, the Doug Clark, the David Games, these guys were playing in the Masters at 16. But by the time they were 19, they were gone. Yeah. They were done because Tom Watson said this. You fight burnout when you are exposed to it at early age that much. I love the fact that he is so involved in using his platform and using the game of golf to raise so much money, millions of dollars to get kids to play. We mentioned his longtime caddy, Bruce Edwards, who passed away uh, with ALS. Pancreatic cancer is something that he's very involved with. And we talked about why golf is so charitable. And I think you have to think about it in, in these terms, Jay, because he said anybody can play, right? You can be a 30 handicap and I can play against you. If you and I played head-to-head, I'd get killed. But golf allows Let's you... Let's do that sometime. We, we, well, we will. <laughs> but golf allows you to do that. So if you're in basketball and Michael Jordan says, well, I'm going to play one-on-one with you, well, there's no chance. You're going to play football, you're going to go up against uh, Josh Allen in a throwing competition, ain't going to happen. So I, I love that, though, that golf allows anybody to come in, compete, raise money, and that's something that the PGA Tour, and you've talked about this a lot off the air with me, but the PGA Tour is just always giving back to charities, and Tom Watson's a major player in that as well. Yeah, Danny, think about that. You could be in a pro-am situation and get to play with the great Tiger Woods the day before the competition awesome. starts. Danny, that is the differentiator with professional golf. That's what is such an allure for people. What's left to accomplish for Tom Watson still has a passion for golf and still doing so many things with golf. I love that. Yeah, and he wants to and he wants that this next generation to understand some of the great benefits and some of the great lessons and some of the great you know, golf's a great teacher, Danny. Even the time I think we talked about this off the air when I was sitting in the in the lunchroom at, at the Bay Hill tournament after two rounds and great Mr. Arnold Palmer came up to me about squeezed my arm in half and asked me <laughs> if I wore my hat inside at my own home and I said like an idiot yes and he said damn it stop doing that and take your, and take your hat off in my house this is my house and and show some respect and I gotta tell you 
I think I told you, I walk into a golf shop now, and the first thing I do is I Take pull hat my hat off. off, man. You probably think about Arnold Palmer, too, when that happens. Absolutely. I, I do. This will lead into our tips segment, but uh, when I asked him about innovations in golf, and you do hear some of the players from the 70s and the 80s, they'll say, well, it's, it's, it's good, but, you know, it's getting out of hand. I love that he said, let's embrace it and let's get people to play this game with the innovations and make it easier for them to play. And if it's easier to play, you're going to get involved in the game of golf. I thought that was great. It, it really was. And how about this just shows you the level of love and the depth of how much he likes this game when he talked about the USGA and their experiment when the bigger-headed, the 460cc driver heads came out, a la the great big Berthas and things like that. He knew, Danny, exactly Amazing. What the yardage was and the off hits and the five eighths of an inch and things like that. You just, you know, that that degree of caring and that degree of involvement and love, that's that's just not that common. And we're going to talk about in our tip segment, getting fitted and what that can do for a golfer. You're a beginner or someone that's a, let's say a scratch, but you're out there and you're saying, should I get fitted? We'll talk about that coming up. Have you ever wanted tips from a PGA pro? It's the tip segment on Beyond the Fairways with PGA professional Jay Delsing and four-time Emmy Award-winning broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. All right, you're getting free advice if you're listening to Beyond the Fairways with Jay Delsing, played in over 700 PGA Tour events. I'm Dan McLaughlin because Jay is very good even on a podcast, and again, wherever you may be, download our podcast, Beyond the Fairways, Beyond the Fairways, with an S, and download that podcast, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Tip segment with Jay. And so I know you really are passionate about whether you're just beginning or if you're that experienced golfer, make sure you're getting fitted for your clubs. Danny, 100%. So if you're making the commitment that you want to even – I'm not saying you want to be a scratch player, but you're going to go ahead and and make the commitment. You're going to be outside. You're going to get some great exercise. You're going to get to hang out with your friends, both men and women. Then you think about this. Look at the different players on the PGA Tour. Let's just take a guy like Ernie Els, who is – Ernie is six foot three and weighs 245 pounds. And take and then take another guy that that say um, Corey Pavin. Uh, Corey Pavin, who's five foot six and weighs one hundred and thirty. And could you imagine those guys playing the same clubs? First of all, from a speed factor. Second of all, just from a body type factor, Danny. And so I think the body type factor is even more important for our guests and our listeners because we're all built so differently. I'm six foot five. I have a thirty six inch uh, inseam. I'm really leggy. Other guys are, are tall and have super long arms. Guys and gals, all of these things are crucial to get you a golf club that will work better for that body type. Say you've got a barrel-chested guy, Danny, who's not going to be maybe quite as flexible in his arms and his shoulders as, as you and I might be. That They can take that into account, and there's different shafts that we can do that can help you. Say you're aging, and you don't want to, you know, you're concerned about giving up too much distance. We can get a senior, uh, a senior flexed shaft in that driver that with your swing and with that speed, we can maximize that stuff. 
And the last thing, Danny, on this, you know, I could talk about this forever. I just, because I want people to love the game like you and I do. I want them to play it. And the better you are at it, the more likely you're going to stick and stay with it. Is you, if you don't have equipment that was made within the last 10 years, we had the great Tom Watson talk about just the difference in the driver had Danny worked out to be 41 yards difference on an off center hit 41 yards difference. that that's just on the driver head. You've got to get this modern technology in your hands because it's going to make your off center hits so much more playable. So people here go get fitted. Let's describe it get down and dirty because you could go see your local pro you can go to your local golf shop there's going to be somebody there that fits you what happens when you say i walk in and i need to be fitted for clubs what happens the first thing they do is get you on the machines and get you swinging because that gives us a baseline for what we're dealing with so you know you get tiger woods in there and he can swing his seven iron 110 miles an hour if he wants to. Incredible. Yeah, it's just amazing. But so you're going to get a guy or, or a, a gal that walks off the streets and she says, let's just say I'm a 15, 18 handicap and he, this is my game. And you put it, we, we put you on these computers and it starts accumulating information. And so if you're a woman and your, your club, your club head speed with your, let's say we start with your driver for lack of better terms you probably wouldn't but let's say you do and you swing the club at 83 miles an hour that's information there's there there's because of tiger woods danny we've got such specificity in this game that we we will have something that will fit for you and chances are if i said to you danny you don't like your four iron, do you? You know, you'd say, you know, there's something that just doesn't feel right about that. I'd say almost every single amateur listening to this has a club in their bag that they play around. And that's you get fitted and that air will be will be exposed. And and then why the hell would you want to be limited to 14 clubs and not be able to use them all? Absolutely. So it's speed, it's shafts, it's showing where you're hitting off the face of your club. All those things get taken into account when you get fitted. Absolutely. And you may just have something as simple as your lie angle may not be right. You may be a tall guy like myself and be playing clubs that are all a degree flat. Well, that ball's not going to get hit in the center. You're not going to get the curve or shape on it that you want and consequently you're not going to like the results top tracer innovations in golf beyond the fairways that's next the world of golf is ever evolving it's time for equipment and innovations in golf on beyond the fairways so many innovations in the game of golf and that includes top tracer jay you were part of the fox broadcast that was introduced for viewers at home to be able to see how high the speed the curl the fade whatever was going on if you hook the ball you could watch the ball and see that trail going so if you could imagine when fox had hockey and they had the puck going around and you could follow the puck well it was kind of used with golf too i thought it was a great innovation enhanced the viewing experience but it also and we'll get into this in just a moment but it enhanced what golfers were seeing as well those that were actually hitting the ball but let's start with top tracer and just the viewership that was i think a great innovation for the game to try to bring people in 
that maybe aren't huge golf fans, but they looked at that and said, I, I will sit down and watch the game of golf. Oh, Danny, 100%. Think about what our, our telecasts were like before that. You had a, a tour player hitting a shot, you got to hear the sound, and then you waited and waited. And then the cameraman would pick a ball up, flying it through the air, which is a skill and, and all to itself. But you didn't know if that ball was curving. You didn't know if that ball was headed to the lake. You didn't know anything until it landed. Top Tracer eliminates all of that. When someone hits a good shot, when someone hits a bad shot, you, you're the viewer knows it just about as soon as a player. The viewer knows it, but the player knows it too. And I've talked to a lot of pro golfers that say they'll go back and look at the broadcast and then evaluate their swing, number one, but then watch the Top Tracer go. So that's something that has even helped the golfer themselves. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And within the Top Tracer comes all sorts of information yes. as well, Danny. We're talking about spin rates. Those things are – that might be a little advanced for some people, but spin rates and uh, uh, as you mentioned before, club face angles at, at impact, that's everything. When we were kids, Danny, we had no idea of the importance of the club face angle at impact. We were always taught work on your swing path. If you want to hook the ball as a right-handed golfer, you swing out to the right a little more. Well, when we, when when I kept hooking, the pros would tell me back in the day, you're not swinging out to the right enough. So I'd swing further out to the right, Danny, and shut the face and hook it more. Yeah. And we just didn't understand that club. What I needed to do was not swing so far to the right. I needed to just square the face up more, and the ball will go straighter. The PGA Tour at a big stop. The Players' Championship, TPC Sawgrass in Florida. Our picks are coming up. Where do we find the best golfers in the world this week? It's time for the Picks segment on Beyond the Fairways. This is Beyond the Fairways, and wherever you get your podcast, make sure and click us, give us a review, and follow us every single week. Big guests, we have had David Faraday week one, Tom Watson in this podcast, and now it is a look at the PGA Tour, and it's the Players' Championship, TPC Sawgrass in Florida. 144 players, and the criteria for the players includes tournament winners, previous players' championship winners, world golf champions, leaders of the FedEx Cup standing. So it is the best of the best. I'll ask you this, Jay. Should this be a major? Should this be a fifth major? You know, Danny, there's arguments. For the history of the game, they can't throw another major in there. It just screw all of the numbers up. Yeah. I know. And, you know, that means... You know who it means the most to? Tiger and Jack. Yeah, I was going to say those two, yeah. <laughs> right. I get it. Right. But in terms of highest quality of field, you give me this one every single year. No doubt. The number of players. But the golf course, Danny, is so demanding. It doesn't favor anybody. There's right-to-left tee shots, Danny, that you have to hit right-to-left. There's left-to-right tee shots that you have to hit left-to-right. A one-dimensional player is really going to struggle. And what's interesting, because we're in our betting portion, this is the most wide-open field on the tour every year. You get guys from the very bottom of the field winning, a la um, Stephen Ames, a guy from Tiger Woods has won this, all the way down to a Craig Perks, who's a great guy, but a New Zealander who didn't win anything else. So this is the most wide-open horse race on the PGA Tour every week. And I just love it because the golf course 
when I the, when I first played it, Danny, I'm thinking, I don't belong on tour. This thing <laughs> is way too hard for me. But then I learned how to play it, and I had a chance to win it a couple times. And it was it was all about getting over. When Pete Dye designs a golf course, he says there's visual distortion out there. So what you see isn't really there. He just loves to throw fear in your brain and, you know, I had enough of that already. Well, that's when you look at number 17, which is one of the most famous holes in golf. Matter of fact, the third toughest hole in golf by scoring average. And you sit there and you look at it and you go, well, these guys are just hitting little wedges in there. It shouldn't be that big a deal. These are pros. Why is number 17 so hard and so famous? Well, there's a lot of things. There's nothing around it. Okay, so the, so your depth perception. Well, you got water. It's a lot of water, <laughs> right? And that's what that's the other thing that makes it so difficult. And then, at, now that they move this tournament back into March, you get much more dicey weather. Well, you get so, the wind. So you're, and that's all you need, Danny. Just a little bit of wind and a little bit of indecision. It shows every single year someone is filling up that pond every single year, and. That's the way I got on SportsCenter my first time. I, I hit this. What happened? I hit this beautiful shot. It was right at the pin. It landed at the pin and went over the green. And, you know, you're back there and you're you're going, you know, be right, be right, be right. And, and somebody, you hear the crowd going to go, oh, and then they go, oh, that sucks. That's a terrible feeling. So 17 then is really about the conditions of the day. It's the wind. Isn't it, it? It is. And then the whole location, you know, every, every Sunday's whole location is that back right and, and and what I learned after playing it, probably playing the tournament four or five times, is that you don't have to shoot at that flagstick, Danny, to get the ball close. You shoot it, you know, four or five steps left of it, and let the hill work it in there. It's Amazing. a much safer play. But hell, that cost me probably four sleeves of balls until I learned about that on that hole. It's so much fun though to watch, isn't it? I, I think it's a relatable hole in regards to somebody that's out there and saying, well, it's 130 yards. Right. I, I can play this hole. What's wrong with these guys? I got that shot. Yeah. You know, Danny, it's what can you do it when you need it? Yeah. It's like you give it to me. Oh, yeah, give me 10 balls. I'm going to hit this green 9 to 10 times. I'll be the off one where I kind of squirrel one into the water. However, I'm on Sunday. I've got a ton of money on the line. Can I do it when I need it? And Ricky Fowler comes to mind the year that he won the players because he made, I think he had to go through two or three rounds of playoffs with, I think it was Kevin Kisner, and Ricky birdied 17, I think, two of three times coming wow. down the stretch. And that's, that's ballsy. Well, let's give our uh, picks of the week. I'm going to go with an easy one. That's Rory McIlroy. I, I, I could probably pick him any week, and I'm, I'm going to hit on him at some point. But... Yep. My dark horse, and I know you like this guy. You like Brendan Steele. You like my pick here. I do. He's one on tour. He's a, he's a, he's a, uh, I would call him more of a grinder, but he's a great guy. He's, he's kept his card now for, oh my gosh, 12 or 15 years in a row. And that's a sign of someone that's improving. You cannot stay on tour if your game's not improving. It just doesn't happen. And who do you like? I'm going to go with Colin Morikawa as my favorite, and my dark horse pick is Taylor Pendriff. I got to play with this kid up in the uh, uh, Canadian Open qualifier about three years ago. And, Danny, you know, when someone hits a ball 
further than you on the PGA Tour. They go, hey, did I did I tell you about that Super Walmart? And I'm like, no, what's a Super Walmart? The, the one they built between my drive and yours. I love you know, it. For him, it was a Super Walmart and a Jiffy Loop because he hit it so far past me. I'll never forget we got to this par three. It was about 168, 70 yards, something like that, little wind blowing in, and he hits sandwich. Really? And I'm over there going, is it a seven iron? And I'm thinking, oh, I need to just retire and just go home. So what are guys hitting on 17? Depending on, let's say, no wind, perfect yeah. conditions, or hitting some kind of wedge Yeah. nowadays. Now, I can remember... Well, my question would be more about, is it always a wedge, even if the wind is in their face? I mean, these guys hit it so far anyway. But see, that's where the modern player doesn't have those different gears that we were taught, hey... Knock this ball down a little bit. Take a little more club, choke up, and hit it so that it doesn't get hit through the wind. The better players have it, but for the most part, Danny, the ball is harder to knock down because it just does one thing. And there's just not that kind of demand on the players anymore. They just don't see the game that way. It's almost like, yeah, it's almost like they take their cannon, which is a hell of a cannon, and they aim it and they fire. Yeah. And then, hey, if I putt well this week, I'm great. If I don't, uh, I'll come back and get them next week. Makes me think as we wrap it up, Tom Watson's talking about, you know, hitting into a green that's concrete, playing in the cold. You know what I mean? <laughs> it does. I mean, I said to Tom, Jack Nicholas called you the best bad weather player of all time. He goes, well, hell yeah. He was right. And I said, <laughs> how'd you get like that? He goes, I played in it all the time. I Absolutely. live in Kansas City. And you too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I when it when it got cold, Danny, I knew I had like a a little advantage because the Southern boys didn't like it. Anybody wear two gloves when it got really really cold? Nah, it wasn't for the cold, but for the rain. We used to have rain gloves, other, and that back yeah. in the day, you know, they they didn't. Nowadays they they have a nowadays they have a meteorology staff and all this. We were like looking up, like, well, it looks like rain. Let's just go ahead and play through it. <laughs> I love it. Hey, man, this is a lot of fun. This I can't wait till next week. When can we do this again? I'm with you, man. Tom Watson is our guest this week. Last week, it's David Faraday. And uh, make sure you go back and listen to that if you're just catching up on these podcasts. There's great, great information. The tip segment, the innovation segment, what we're talking about happening on the PGA Tour, but always big-name guests. David Faraday, week one. And this week, the great Tom Watson. Jaybird, have a great week, and I'll uh, catch up with you next week. Thanks so much, Danny. If you're out there and you're downloading this, make sure and subscribe to our podcast, Beyond the Fairways, with an S, Beyond the Fairways. And this has been, with Jay Delsing, I'm Dan McLaughlin, Beyond the Fairways. Beyond the Fairways.